0: And welcome to Life and Inside Job, the podcast where we centre our internal experiences, our inner lives, as sources of comfort, nourishment, and creativity. My name's Kate, and in no particular order, I'm a writer, a mentor, a speaker, artist, and facilitator, and my book. Second Spring, The Self-Care Guide to Menopause, is available now at all good bookshops. The other thing I love to do is have soulful, meandering conversations with people about how their inner lives nourish them. And this is what life, an inside job, is all about. You can find out all about my work, the one-to-ones with medicine circles and mentoring for people in menopause, and mentoring for complementary therapists on my website. And you can also join me for the monthly yoga nidra sessions where you can co-create the nidra and drop into the seasons in the body, which is also known as having a bloody good rest. It's at katecodrington.co.uk and there's a wealth of resources there which you can access for free For up-to-date information on events and all the latest stuff, pop over to Kate underscore Codrington on Instagram. Now, this episode is about rest and creativity and how doing nothing at all can make the kind of amazing magic that a packed to-do list can just never get near. In my conversation. With Steph Satria1, we explore how does creativity come out of rest? What needs to change so that we can stop striving? And how does living in a cyclical rhythm support us? Steph is a mother, therapist and coach, passionate about empowering women to live in a cyclical rhythm so they can live their lives on purpose with freedom and authenticity. She works one-to-one with groups, and her community nest can be found at featherlightliving.com. Seth, so, can you please tell me about your relationship with rest? Because we live in such a um, busy world, and it's we're not islands. And we're not immune to the influence of the crazy business out there. So how, how, what was your family of origin like? What was their attitude to rest? Oh, that's such a good question. Um,
1: Thank you for asking that. Um, I would say when I think about my own parents and and the idea of rest, um, I would say particularly from my father's side, there's very much of of doing and um, achieving and productivity. Um, I think I learned that from my mother, that there wasn't wasn't enough time. So we were always in a rush to do something um, and be somewhere. So I think I grew up feeling like I must be doing and I must be in a rush. That was my, um, when I think about rest in terms of my childhood, and teenage years, um, rest, like proper resting. I don't think it really came to me until, um, I was in my mid thirties, um, which, which sounds quite shocking to say that actually, but, um, it really, it was, I was a mother and, um, single mother working, um, and had in my own business and life was, very full. Um, but I was beginning to work in ways where I was helping other people to rest. And that's when I started to really question my own relationship with rest. And then, okay, so I'm facilitating these environments for women to, to come to relax, to, to, to unwind. And yet, where is it in my life? Um, and, and so I think that was the doorway of me questioning how I rested, when I rested, what was I, and also like, what was I showing my daughter as well?
0: Like my relationship. Oh my goodness. If there's anything, there's there's one thing that has shifted my behavior for the better in my life, it's being a better role model. Like all my my worst, most destructive kind of habits. I've thought, you know, you cannot, I cannot teach my children to do this.
1: Yeah. That's the game changer. I think is if if you are a parent, um, and you, you realize your own behaviors and you think, well, actually everything I'm doing, they're absorbing and I'm showing them how to be in the world. And for me, that was when I, I wanted to make some, some really big changes, um, in the way that I parented and the way that I was as well. Um, so I, I think, yes, my daughter now is, um, she's nearly 17. And so I do, you know, observe her and I think, okay, just the way that she is. And I can see that there's there's obviously some good influences gone gone through there. So, um, but she's very chilled out.
0: <laughs> well, can I just say, well done, good job. I think we should take all the parenting, accolades we can and give them whenever we see that good job there Steph well done (laughs) and at 30 mid-30s I I don't think that's late I think that's remarkably um, young to discover that we need to rest
1: yeah yeah um Okay, thank you for saying that. Because I always, I, I have felt a bit like, gosh, you know, we, we should be, we need to know this. We need to know this from a younger age. And mm-hmm. and I was very much caught up in my twenties. Um, I ran a business abroad. I became a mother. Um, and actually, I was living in in Bali, um, running a business there. And one of the things the staff were always saying to me <clears throat> was to take a rest um because I was so busy you know running around like a lunatic um doing all these things it was a restaurant which was um a lovely thing to do but very time consuming um but I was living in Bali which is the island of you know people go there to to go and relax and massage is part of the culture and I it was only really halfway through living there I started to really get into to actually taking some time for myself, but I still didn't fully embrace it. It wasn't something I, I always felt guilty about it. Like, God, I really should be doing something else since that should be. Um, so yes, twen- I think we have the energy in our twenties as well. I was like a dynamo, um, fueled on caffeine, I'd say as well. And lots of excitement about the world, um, which is all, all good. But I, I do feel like you get to your thirties, um, if you're a mother as well, if you're a parent, then you're, you you realise you have like a reservoir of energy, and you need to keep topping it up. And so, where is it going to come from? Um, so that was when I really started to to assess mm. assess the whole thing.
0: Mm. And I, I was really caught with what you said about something about mothering and about your mother not having enough time. And I think that's a very female thing. I think it's a very mother thing, partly out of necessity that we have, there's more to do because we're given more tasks. (laughs) Like (laughs) there's a kind of reality to actually having less time because we're given more stuff to do. We have more responsibility. Yeah. Unless we push back. And I, was, I was thinking about my own situation and um, if you're told there's no time, then you can, you know, oh, do hurry up and tie your shoelaces. Come on, we have to go to the shop, <laughs> you know. Then there's a number of kind of meanings that a child can make out of that that we then carry into our life. And oh, yeah. I was thinking about the sort of the thing about being slow. No. It's, not, it's not very it's not very hot and sexy to be slow <laughs> slow thinking is yeah. is perceived as less good less valuable than fast thinking even though slow thinking might be more creative or deeper um yeah all sorts i mean all sorts of meaning
1: yeah but it is the conditioning um, yeah that we get, we, we have it instilled in us from children. And mm. um, certainly I did that there was this sense of there's just not enough time mm. and, um, we need to hurry up and that, that sort of fed through and in, in so much of the things that I, I did and the way that I was, um, and even now I, I have moments when I, I catch myself, you know, and I think it is a, it, that's the work <laughs> is to undo <laughs> all this stuff, um. But to have to have the practices to surround yourself with people who also think like that as well
0: um, is really helpful. Um, so when your when your people come to you, mm, and they're going to be people with with businesses, with um, caring duties, and you say, well, <laughs> you ask you. You asked them the question that I asked you, what's your relationship dressed and how can you create more of it in your life? Yeah. What do they say to you? What do they report back?
1: Sometimes there's a complete look of horror. <laughs> like, what am I suggesting? <laughs> Is she nuts? Um, <coughs> excuse me. So um, I feel like there's there's an openness. People know how tired they are. They know that things aren't working Um, and they want to change things, but they don't see that there is a possibility uh, always, uh, it's like, they can't, you know, um, I think the questions have to be angled, um, and, and to get them to see a, a different picture of how, how things could actually be, um, and to give them experience of it, um, to, I think people don't realize how you don't actually need very much time to really come back to a really grounded centered place um and this is what I hear a lot is that people assume they need to go away for two weeks to feel rested (laughs) you know isn't that Um, interesting
0: but that isn't that that's an indication of how tired yeah I need a month (laughs) yeah actually (laughs) (laughs) I need a year
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) um which therefore means that when we if you have the idea that you need at least a month to to really rest um or feel rested, then you never make the time for it um and so you get caught up in this constant cycle um, so what I like to do is introduce chunking it down to small small increments mm-hmm. um, and it begins with very small practices um, but there is resistance um it's yeah. It's not cool it's not cool to slow down it's not trendy. It's, um, it's also seen, I think there's a lot of guilt caught up with it as well. Um, we need to, to, we need to let go of the guilt that it's actually, we're far better off if we're rested. we're far kinder, we're nicer to ourselves and to everybody else and the whole world will benefit if we actually take some time out to, to pause and it is literally the pauses that make the
0: difference. So how do you come to that how do you how do we build how do we chunk it down how how do we get rid of the guilt <laughs> how do you do that <laughs>
1: yeah. how do we chunk that down um i'd say it's like leaving little spaces spaces that are slightly longer than usual um so things things don't need to be back to back um that's what we tend to do as a as culture we plan our days um Everything is literally back to back and how might that feel just to allow an extra five minutes, an extra 10 minutes. Oh, there's a word in Japanese and I can't remember it now from the top of my head, but it means it translates this um, spaciousness, but also it, it relates to arriving somewhere so that you have enough time to look around and familiarize yourself with it before you do the thing that you're there to do. And so I, I like to introduce the idea to people that. Um, if, if there is enough time, because we're, there is enough time. We just, often we don't allow ourselves the time. Um, and so I think sometimes we're caught up in unnecessary errands. We're caught up in doing things for people. So it's about boundaries as well.
0: Phones, picking, uh, <laughs> picking scrolling. That's huge. I mean, that's, that's what happens if, you know, if there is a space, you just, you just have to stick your head outside your front door.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: the truth of what happens to time.
1: Yeah, it goes into our technology. Um, I'm a big fan of of having periods of time during the day with the phone switched off, um, and certainly having the you know the weekends without um, de- having a social media detox and all those sorts of things. But the freedom you give yourself by doing that is enormous. Um, just having the weight of knowing that you're expecting a call or a message or a reply um it distracts us
0: um, can you describe i i'll i'll join in too okay but can you describe how it feels to have no screen time how it feels in you what difference it makes
1: less cluttered um less pulled and completely free um my mind my brain just feels very spacious then mm-hmm. Um, not caught up with any other thing that's going on. Um, and I become, that's when I get my great aha moments as well, or, or just like coming back to really what's important in my world because everything, um, on our phones and, and you know, computers, it's, it's a lot to do with other people's stuff, other people's agendas as well. So, um, I think I just come back to my, my own center um but the freedom is the word that really comes to mind yeah
0: mm. Mm. for me i f- first of all it takes quite a while for me to stop so i have to reach <laughs> it's like AA. I have to sort of find myself in the gutter in the social media gutter <laughs> usually which for me means like uh, obsessive unconscious reaching for my phone whenever there's a sort of bit of discomfort in me
1: yeah
0: um i reach for my phone and then i then i clock it and i'm like oh it's time again Mm. yeah (laughs) so i turn off and i i have different ways of doing it some days i turn off and then everything off Mm. and then usually once a month i have five four or five days off social media as well, but I, I'm doing other kinds of screen things. Mm. And what happens is that I, once I've turned off, I have a sort of, I still have a sort of reflex reaching that goes on. Oh, but I haven't, oh, but I need to tell so-and-so and oh, but what about that post? And, you know, mm-hmm. and that take, it takes, what I'm trying to say is that it's, um, it's cyclical. Mm. like no shit right so it takes me a while to build up a head to recognize that i need to and then it takes a while for my nervous system to recalibrate to Mm. come down again Mm. so it's not instant and what i notice it's very similar to you is that there's for me there's less noise it's like turning down the volume on anxiety i think Mm. There's, there's somehow and i'm just making a sort of There's a sort of space just behind me, a sort of background noise of buzzing expectation that I need to do something. And it's often quite um, indistinct what I think I need to do. And that's part of the anxiety, that there's something that I have, some way I have to perform or something I have to respond to, react to.
1: Yeah,
0: Um, And that goes. Yes. And then, then I get spacious mm-hmm. and, and exactly as you say, I come home to myself, which for me means that I can follow what I need. I can, I can, um, I notice when I need to lie down on the earth or, or run around or what I need to tend to foster. Yeah. But I, I've kind of, forgiven. you know, it, it's, but it is really cyclical and there's a kind of, thing a place i've come to recently where I'm, I'm realizing that you know the the overdoing and the over busy busyness will just emerge will come back all the time it's not something that i can fix mm. yeah but the my um my need is to just notice notice my levels of rea- reactivity around it
1: yeah
0: and it's the noticing That's, um,
1: that's a game changer, I think, because then you're, you're becoming aware of what's going on. Um, Mm. and, and like you say, it it is there, but we can, we can put boundaries on it. We, we can work with it so we can work. I I like to think of it like I'm working in collaboration with myself, um, so that I can get to a better place (laughs) with the things that I'm doing, um, but it, it is part of our world. I'm very curious about the whole thing. You know, I wonder where it's all going to go one day. Um, yeah, be
0: interesting. Uh, to hear. Yeah. Well, apart from apart from sort of being better role models for our kids mm-hmm. and the people around us. Another thing which just blows blows me away is the relationship between rest and creativity. And I know that you have a lot to say about this. So I'm really interested to hear your take on how doing nothing creates something like that's mad
1: <laughs> yeah when you say it like that actually it does sound um completely nuts <laughs> but it's um i think i know in myself you know my most creative moments my most um when i'm most in tune with myself it's when i'm i'm really not doing anything um, or I'm in a very slow um, meditative state, um, and I think we all know that we have those moments of aha or eureka moments. They come. They don't come from or when we're in the middle of being really busy. They just don't and we're wrapped up in, in something and got the adrenaline pumping and, and we're just on a mission and we're doing things. We might be getting things done practically, but the creativity it comes out of when we're truly rested. Um, That's when we're really at home in ourselves and we've come back to our center, back to what's important. And also that's when our thoughts start to, just grow and expand. Um, And you get that from um, being in um, a yoga nidra practice. You get that um, first thing in the morning before you, just before, you know, that between um, waking um, and sleeping. It's it's all in there when the brain is at its most rested and it's just doing magical things. So um, if you're in that high beta state, um, when we're really in productivity mode, you won't get it. That's That's not, that isn't where the creativity is. Um, it might be very productive, um, and you might feel like you've achieved a lot in the day, but I feel like real creativity comes from completely slowing down. Um, and that's, it's, it's so much to do with the brain and what the brain is doing and when the brain is resting, that's when, um, when, when the magic really happens
0: like Thomas Edison with his penny yeah <laughs> I don't well I'm sure you know this but I'm just going to say it in case people don't that's where the expression the penny drops came from because he used to sit and sort of snooze I, thought, I don't think he was meditating he would snooze with a penny between his knees and a tin cup on the floor yeah so that when he dropped oh no it was it was he was sitting in meditation because when he dropped off to sleep and his knees went up the penny dropped and he woke up. We wrote down wrote down whatever he thought of and that that is exactly that i mean it's, it's a bit um abrasive but that's that liminal space where yeah where we can access creativity now we've talked we've talked you mentioned one of my favorite things it's time for a love fest Steph. <laughs> tell me about your relationship with yoga tell me what yoga nidra is for oh. us and then i would love to hear about your relationship with it and how you came across it and...
1: oh yeah okay well my favorite topic too kate <laughs> um is a magical practice i'll talk about what it is for those who don't know um it's a meditation practice um it's known as yogic sleep um i'm a big fan of it because you don't need to sit up doing it um typically um you get to lie down and and the way I was shown and taught it is that you, you, you make yourself so comfortable, you know, so you're really gifting yourself this rest and this meditation, um, practice. And so it's a guided practice. Um, quite often with visualizations, it, 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 it really goes, it can really also go into the heart. You, we work with your intentions. Um, it's known as a sankalpa, your, your heartfelt wish, if you want to. Um, to grow something in your life and really if you think about it when you're in that meditation state and you're thinking about the things that you really want to grow that's when it's much much more likely to be planted into your mind and it's that constant awareness and coming back to it so it's wonderful for growing dreams. Um, it what else? Gosh, there's so much I could say. Okay. So that's a, it's a guided meditation. Tell
0: me about how you came across it because that, Uh, you know, what's your story with it?
1: Well, I, I did, I came across it not by accident. Well, yes, by accident, I didn't go out to choose to, I didn't book a yoga nidra class or a training. I was on a yoga training, um, with Uma Dinsmore Um, I was on the training to do pregnancy yoga and I was in, um, the, Bermondsey Buddhist Centre, and I turned up, and the first thing she got us all to do was to lie down, (laughs) and she took us through an opening practice of yoga nidra to begin the day. Um, I didn't know what we were doing. I thought it was wonderful. She was asking us to lie down because I was quite knackered after travelling to get there. You know, rushing to get to London and um, travelling from Cambridge and that's where I was living at the time. And, um, I, I was very grateful. Um, I thought brilliant, okay, lie down. And, you know, it was sheepskin rugs, it was blankets and people coming around to adjust, you know, you've got your pillow under your head and i was like, wow, they really care. Um, and, and I went off into some, I, I don't think you forget your first experience and I went off into this amazing state. Um, and I did not, know what was going on I was very slow to come back as well I mean I, I was probably the last one to sit up at the end there must have been 60 of us in there um and I I just thought it was amazing I just sort of sat there in a daze after I was gazing at Uma um and <laughs> <laughs> thinking she was marvelous um and throughout the day she took us through um a few practices and even a closing practice at the end of the day to integrate and consolidate and, and rest again and which was an absolute gift so my first impression of yoga nidra was it was this wonderful gift where I drifted off I didn't know I didn't know what it was called didn't know what I was doing but I just thought it was wonderful um, and I was actually sleeping in the center that night in a dormitory on a bunk bed and at that period of my life I I had um, a really bad relationship with sleep um, I had had insomnia for years and I had come to the point where I just accepted that I was a bad sleeper and that's how my life was. Um, And typically if I ever stayed anywhere I would sleep so badly because it's not familiar. But what happened that night um, was I was sleeping on this creaky bunk bed and I slept through the night and the next day I woke up and I thought what's going on? You know I slept so well and it's um, so unusual Um, and I as the training went on I got to know the practice better and I realized that that it was really re-educating my brain and in, into relaxing um, and I then went into Nalipta's, Uma's husband, um, his recordings for sleep and that well, that was probably my first um, doorway was this is going to help me get to sleep <laughs> so, um, And and it feels very luxurious and very nice and I think because we were all in that group together, um, you feel like, right, right. Everyone's doing this. So I'm going to do this too. I'm embracing the whole thing. Um, but it certainly wasn't something I would have done off my own back on my own. I think it was just purely by, by a happy accident. Um, and it changed my sleep it changed my relationship with sleep and that was my doorway to them. Okay. What, or how am I treating myself during the day? Um, and change my relationship of rest
0: as mm-hmm. a consequence and how do you use it now i mean for your in your own life for yourself what what role does it play now?
1: Well, what I find now um I love a morning practice. I don't use it so much now at night for sleep because I don't need to so much, although I'm not going to say I'm the perfect sleeper now um but i i i have I do other things for sleep, which is more to do with the breath. Um, which helps me. Although I will listen to something lovely at the end of the night um, but yoga nidra I find for my own creativity um, is a morning practice um, or even a lunchtime practice and it doesn't necessarily have to be very long. And either I listen to my own recordings, um, or I'll still listen to Uma or there's a few other teachers. I, you know, there's so much out there these days, but I think it's very important is the voice. Um, Mm -hmm. because once you get to know the voice, what I find is that, uh, just hear a few words and then I'll be going into that state quite quickly. Um, and so a 10 minute practice or 15 minutes. So I, what I'm saying is that I use it when I know I need to have the brain rest. I don't have terribly long, but I know that I'm going to feel the benefits afterwards. And it's the clarity. I think I find it very helpful when I have very, I'm very creative. I have a lot in my mind a lot of the time. Um, and so it gives me the headspace quite literally just to start to get back to what's important, what do I really need to do today? <laughs> what's going to be the most helpful? Um, but certainly for creative projects, that's how I use it the most.
0: Yeah. And my experience of discovering Nidra was very similar um, in that I went off to do a training with Uma and she said, and I was late, (laughs) I was late and rushed in and sweaty and anxious and and sort of bundled in in a mess. And she said, Oh, come in and lie down. And I, I just, I still feel tearful. I still it still brings tears to my eyes. This, the uh, generosity mm. of that,
1: yeah,
0: particularly in a professional training where you know, it's it is an anxious place. Mm. We expect to be tested in trainings, yeah, because of that. That's how our schooling was, and yeah, what 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 she was doing, and what she continues to do, Uma continues to do, is to model. It's like, it's like parenting and children, modeling good behavior, good behavior modeling good practice. Mm. Because mostly in women's health, what we need permission to do is to rest, which is what both you and I do in, in, in different ways professionally. I've got, I've taken to calling myself chief validation officer. I love it. So Tell me what, is, what is your role, Kate? What is your, what's your business called? I'm chief validation officer and I'm here to validate your need for rest and your feelings uh, <laughs> because, yes. because somebody has got to do it. Yeah. But the other thing with, with those, those trainings is that nearly all The day's training is about arriving. Yeah, (laughs) it's true. It's nearly all like it's like forty percent. And tell tell me Mm. what you think. Forty percent are getting people to arrive, to drop the chatter, Mm. to rest, so so that we can be present.
1: Yeah.
0: Then you learn a few things, and then you, (laughs) I mean, cognitively Mm. learn a few things, Mm. and then the other, I can't even do the summers, but the, but a big chunk of it is about preparing to leave.
1: Yeah. 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 I see that. Because that's
0: what women's health needs. It, our, well, it's not women, it's all humans, but because Uma specializes in women's health, that's, that's her thing. Um, we need so much time to slow down and arrive, to feel how we are. Mm -hmm and then put in place the structures for us to leave safely and operate in the world safely yeah that's a model there's a model (laughs) it's a good model (laughs) workshop yeah (laughs) or for a, a membership community can you tell us about nest <laughs> look at me look at me seek elegantly into the next bit yeah i'm getting I'm getting. yeah you know, i actually totally thought that out beforehand <laughs> i love it um, I, didn't.
1: <laughs> I really feel that that is so important is the arrival um mm. that we need that much time i mean this is something that I learned and we both learned in trainings with Uma is that you spend a lot of time just arriving. Um, <laughs> and she gives you that time and it is very, very generous. And I, and I feel like that word generosity is quite key in, in, in gifting ourselves this rest and this allowance for arrival. So we're not, um, turning up doing something for an hour and then and going on our merry way. We just haven't even got there yet. Um, so yeah, so I've, what's happened with, um, with the way that I'm working is I feel like we need constant awareness. We need reminders because we're up against a culture, which is constantly pulling us away from ourselves, telling us that we need to be doing so many other things. Um, and I think if we really want to reestablish a healthy relationship with rest, it's about who we surround ourselves with what we're listening to, the sorts of people we're talking to, um, community. And so, yeah, I've, um, been growing an idea for a while and it's, it's come to fruition, um, in the, and it not, not in the way I thought for many years, I wanted to have an in-person, um, center where women could come to rest, to heal, to learn, to get creative, um, and. And I think the pandemic kind of changed so much for me as it has done for so many people. Um, so now my, this, this center is, it's online and, um, it's in the shape of something called Nest. And so Nest is a community. Um, it's like a sanctuary. I see it as a sanctuary. So in Nest, there are resources where you can find practices for rest, short courses, um, and and it's, and also to bring in other people, other teachers, cause there's so much wisdom out there. There is, there are so many wonderful women doing fantastic things. And I don't think everyone, we don't, I think we need to know more about it. Um, and to share, share the wisdom and the wonderful thing about the online world is that it's just so accessible, um, for everybody. Um, and so Nest has, has, is my doorway to sharing, to sharing that. Um, I see it as a place to share the wisdom, to grow and to for to, to the anchor point. So it is a, um, some of the practices shared, are you know, in syncing with the, the lunar calendar um, to give that lunar awareness as well. So um, I emphasize, I hope I do, um, that there's periods of the month when we can do less. And what might that look like? It's going to be different for everybody. But just to even begin the conversation about how we can um, perhaps have boundaries with what we're doing with our social engagements, um, and what's and how do we notice what do we notice afterwards, um, what changes? So so nest is, um, is very new, but it's growing.
0: Mm, congratulations on your new baby! Thank you. <laughs> Thanks very much. Um, and in these sort of postpartum. Yeah. It's about months. It can be really tender, can't it? So it's and I hear in your voice and in your description of what's happening, the kind of newness, the newness and the excitement of it. It's it's really lovely to hear, actually, <laughs> <laughs> oh, this new precious thing. Yes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And where, where do where can people find that if they're if they want to join you or check it out or?
1: Oh, sure. Um, so they'd find it through my website, um, which is featherlightliving.com. Okay. Um, and I everything's on there. And I've, oh yes, it's not on social media. Um, I know that um, it's, social media has been a great place to put, um, to have private groups in which I certainly made use of in the past. And I have felt a growing sense of, unhappiness about encouraging people to come in to work with me, but they have to do that through social media. Um, You have to go onto Facebook. And then as soon as, I don't know about you, but as soon as I open Facebook up, I get confused and distracted. Um, So what I was really keen to do with Nest was it was to use a platform where it's clean. (laughs) You Um, You go in, there isn't anything else there. It's just, just, um, so it looks a little bit, it works in a, a little bit like a Facebook feed. So you, you get th- to see the posts, but there's no adverts. There's nothing else going on. So it's, I, I'm using a platform called Mighty Networks. Um, which you don't really need to know that, but, but it's just so that, um, you know, it's not on social media. Um,
0: and I, think, that was a- but, I think, but I think that it's quite good to name clean platforms. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I, I, because that I, I feel reassured when I know what it is. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. I feel a
0: bit, I feel a bit soothed and a bit, you know, it feels a bit safer okay. so that if people are interested, they can go off and ch- check out the platform and see if it is something that would suit them. Yeah.
1: That's it's a
0: great right. idea To say what it's on.
1: Yeah. The beauty of it is um, it's, you get all the benefits of, of, of being in a community, Um, but yes, it, it is a completely separate entity, um, to social media. So yeah, it, I was, I was delighted to come across it myself. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a member on different, you know, networks. And so who use mighty networks and I, I could see how it worked and I thought, actually, this is pretty amazing. Um, and it's, it's having those spaces where. I, what I really love is the conversations and, and the inspiration. There are certainly people who come on and they're just lurking in the background, quite a lot of introverts as well. Um, so they will just use the resources, but when we get the conversations going, that's really when women can really inspire one another, Mm -hmm. um, with what's, what they're doing. And so I'm excited actually for, um, all of those possibilities.
0: And, and there's there's another aspect that I wanted to ask you about, um, which I was just, I've been contemplating over the last few days. Mm-hmm. And I think the Nest will probably address this and also your, you do one-to-one work, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You also do one-to-one work. So I think this will be within your um, client group. And it's about different kinds of tiredness. Ooh. Yeah. Because because there are so many. It's mm-hmm. like it's like a whole pick and mix of delights. Mm-hmm. And so I my my sleep has been interrupted this week. Mm-hmm. And so I am tired. But I'm not but I'm not tired. I'm I'm but because I'm fairly well resourced. Mm. And I'm pretty consistent and mindful about filling myself up in my life. I'm not on the floor. Mm. I'm not like really on the floor in the same way as I am. If I'm, if my sleep's messed up and I'm really depleted Yeah. from long-term tiredness and there's, there's all sorts of things. There's a different quality from emotional tiredness and physical tiredness and the tiredness of, well, of intergenerational trauma as well has that has a particular kind of weight that just pulls you down, mm. and all of these things sort of show up. I'm I'm I'm, I'm quite a professor of tiredness. It seems I just realise, <laughs> thinking yes, I, I can recognise all these five different kinds. Mm-hmm. Um, But I I wanted to get your take on different, different ways in which we can be tired. And maybe there are, maybe we just have to, anyway, in different ways we can address it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, there's different, definitely different types of tiredness and then therefore different ways of, of coping or dealing with it. So that um, it's not possible sometimes to go and have a nap. but then there are other things that you can do. Like you, you've mentioned, you know, there's a physical side of being, um, physically tired. And so then to choose to actually not go out to a yoga class that night, you know, to do something more restful, I think it's about the choices that we make as a consequence of listening in to what we actually need. Um, um, journaling about, the types of tiredness is helpful as well so that you start to recognize the different types in yourself. Um, if it's the mental tiredness and certainly journaling and just down, downloading, um, your brain, um, so that you're not holding on to all the information and journaling, not, not to find all the answers, but to actually just get it out of your head Mm -hmm. can be extremely cathartic and energizing. Um, I think, it's, it's about knowing yourself and knowing what to do with different types of, when we're different types of fatigue. Mm. Um, and like you say, if you're sleep deprived, then you know that you, the best thing you can do is to have a nap, mm. but it's not the case for every type of tiredness. Um, sometimes it might simply be to do a bit less in the day, just to give yourself the headspace If you've got mental tiredness going on as well. So, um, but I suppose the general, not the general answer, but it will be to give yourself a gift of canceling some things if you can in that day to honor what's going on. I think there is a sense of like, okay, um, I'm allowing myself to be tired rather than pushing through. Um, I'm going to cancel something if I can or ask or delegate someone to help me do something. So I don't have to do everything today. I think there's a lot of that tied up in it as well. Um, cause if, when we don't change, make those changes, we just carry on and keep on handling our tiredness in the same way. Um, which eventually, you know, we can get quite burnt out. So I think it comes down to doing less and, and asking for help. Mm-hmm. And to know how to handle the tiredness too, with, with different types of practices. Um, and sometimes I think that's the thing we, we may not think we've got the time for a nap, but there may be time for a 10 minute nidra <laughs> and even 10
0: minutes can be magical. So I, I've, different people find different things restful in different situations. I liked your example of canceling the yoga class because yeah. yoga looks like a good thing. It looks like a helpful thing yeah but sometimes it can just be too much yeah and conversely for some people lying down with nidra will be anxiety provoking yeah just the thought of lying down will be too much and will create mm. agitation and too much difficulty or what else restless legs totally mm. get in the way of you know if you if you're if you're twitching around like twitching around like a twitchy thing, then it's not restful.
1: Yeah,
0: And we have to, sometimes we have to find something like, I don't know, pottering, Mm -hmm. moving, (laughs) tidying up. Mm. I mean, I know it sounds nuts, but it can be a very soothing thing. If you're moving around and you're creating in a spacious and kindly and restful way, or some people rest by running again. Yeah sounds mad but the 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 physical movement can create so so i i I want to sort of open up possibilities of rest as being of of, of people already knowing what they need you know we already know what feels good for us and giving people permission to do that rather than thinking oh well i'm tired so i must uh meditate for (laughs) I, i must focus on the breath and meditate for for 10 minutes yeah because that's not everybody's thing and it doesn't always work
1: yeah it is the knowing what works for you Mm -hmm. i like how you talked about pottering as well Mm -hmm. um i think just doing something slowly just moving around um that can be enough um for whatever it is that's making you tired to to be aware of okay there's something needs to change in the day so to day, so I do it differently. Um and yeah, recognising the different types of rest is so key. Yeah.
0: And I think there's a lot of masking that goes on, particularly mm. again. Well, actually is it particularly amongst women? I don't know. Mm. I don't know much about men really. <laughs> <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> I've no clue. Let's let's just assume that it's a human thing. There's a lot of masking that goes on. Yeah. yeah. And I, you know, I'm a, I'm a good daughter of the patriarchy. I don't want to be perceived as tired. Mm, it yeah. feels difficult. Someone says, oh, you look tired. And I yeah. hear, you know, a bit of pity in there. Yeah. <laughs> a bit of, oh, yeah. oh, Mrs. Cyclical Living. you. <laughs> You're doing really well, right? (laughs) You know, and I feel the desire to mask that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there is, there's a huge um, pressure to look like we're doing really well and we're glowing and and absolutely fine and dandy. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, And to admit that you're tired and to, you know, to say that you're doing too much. It's, um, it's a really big thing to come around. I, I, I've personally, I, you know, it's taken me some years to, to stop saying, you know, when I'm asked how, you know, how are you? I used to always say, I'm so busy, (laughs) I'm just so busy. I love it. Um, but now I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm well, and everything's in balance. Thank you. Um, and I did less today, um you know and it, it's i do feel it is weird though to to say to admit i didn't have a packed day doing so many things and i do feel like i should have been doing it all to, i feel fabulous afterwards though you know i feel better in myself mm-hmm. um i can handle my life better i'm a much better therapist and coach and mother um if i don't pack out my day and that's what keeps me coming back into it. But it is the mask that we wear, that um, we pretend that we're not tired. And mm. and and that makes us even more tired, <laughs> you know, it's exhausting. Well, that,
0: that's kind of what I'm thinking, that the, the pushing through thing, there's the pushing through thing where we don't notice that we're tired. We don't mm. notice depletion. Yeah. And we keep going, or maybe we do notice and we, we have to keep going because that's a reality. Yeah. <laughs> But also the pretending, the pretending that we're holding it together, is yeah. also absolutely—it's oh, it's really exhausting.
1: Yeah, it's so so tiring, and it can become a way of, of of doing and being and accepting this is how, how we are. Um, but what what does it take to take the mask off? You know, to say actually, you know what, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna do a bit less. Um, or just even to admit that you're tired, um, that's a big one.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Steph, can you, you talk about, um, living in a cyclical rhythm and we, we've, we've spoken a lot, a lot about pausing and rest. Can you tell me what you mean by living in a cyclical rhythm? And how, how, how you organize that. Yeah. Thank you. Um,
1: for me, it comes back to awareness of a rhythm of a month where I'm not treating myself the same every day of the month. And so it's helpful. I find it helpful to notice what the moon is doing. So I do sync it in with the moon. Um, to notice when there's a new moon and to notice when there's a full moon, I plan my diary accordingly um so that there is a sense of ebb and flow um with my activities with my clients with if i'm planning any workshops um and this this does take some strategy i suppose rather than just um carrying on regardless it's not always possible to do to completely slow everything down but i am a big advocate of having a bit less to do at a certain point of the month So that I notice my energy, um, and my own creativity is much more abundant, much more free flowing as a consequence of doing that little bit less, um, whatever that might mean to people. Um, I think working with clients, some of the things they find the hardest is to do less for family commitments, do less of social engagements. Um, but I feel that's, you know, I would say, look at how, what's topping you up. And where are you depleted and who, who is depleting you? Like people like drains or radiators. And so to notice who your radiators are and, and to, I think it it does start. You do need to have a bit of sloughing off. So, um, it's a practice. I think we have, it's something to keep on doing. It's not something you just do once and that's it. Um, you've got it. Um, it's, I think we are going against the tide as well. Everywhere around us will be encouraging us to, to constantly be doing more. Um, and I noticed certainly when things really reopened up after the pandemic, there was this huge surge of activity and getting, getting back to it. And I, I really, that's when things really, for me, I, I just thought actually, no, um, we, we need to have this cycle. We're back in the rhythms of nature, we're back in the rhythms of ourselves. Um, and we are cyclical as women. And, and if we get back in touch with our cyclical rhythm, that's when we're really connecting back into our creativity, our knowing and more trusting places in ourselves. Um, And it's
0: really, really, really important to have a community around you. Yeah. That is embarked on, on a similar journey.
1: Absolutely. You can't do this on your own um mm. it's very isolating and you feel like you're you're the only one <laughs> and to have people around you who are also on the path encouraging and and sharing the experiences um of of it that mm. that it it enhances the whole practice for you
0: yeah the yeah, uh, aura and i at womankind find that very much that um the sharing of oh i did too much and it hurts again Mm.
1: yeah
0: why does it hurt what kind of month did you have oh right (laughs) (laughs) and not just for the person who is posting but for every person who sees that it's an affirmation of oh yes of course exactly yeah once again remind coming back to reminding ourselves about exactly as you say about the need to fill ourselves up first mm-hmm. and the consequences yeah. when we don't and how mm-hmm. inevitably we'll fall off the wagon and that's okay too
1: <laughs> yeah it's the falling off is okay this is coming back on that's the thing that's important <laughs> yeah. yeah so it's a reminders. i think that's it. it is it's the constant reminders um and accessing that mm-hmm. so that we can stay stay with it
0: any top, top tips for psychic syncing up with the moon?
1: Oh, top tips. Um, I love to use a, um, a lunar calendar. So um, you can get app on your phone um, so you can just notice if that's enough for you. But I, if you want to actually, um, you, you, can I mention the book? Yes, it's called The Moon Is My Calendar. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a wonderful book. Um, and you can track your lunar calendar and you can write down your energy, your moods, everything in in the calendar. So if you really want to get into the practice um, and you can draw um, a mandala for that month um, for what, what things you want to bring forth. Um, it's really beautiful. So um, I think talking or being with other people who are also doing that, or having a buddy who wants to share the journey with you is really nice. Um, And so that um, you can get excited about it together when, yeah. When you start to really notice that you do have a different energy throughout the month and you have an ebb and a flow, you, you're really arriving back into yourself and, um, it's very empowering.
0: Can you give us your best tip for a happy inside life, please? (laughs) Yeah a happy
1: inside life. Mm -hmm. Um, I think what it comes down to for me is to know, I remind myself is that there is enough. Um, when I start to say there is enough, then everything changes for me. The pressure comes off, you know, I have enough time, um, that there is, there is enough. Do you have to
0: believe, do you have to believe that first?
1: Yeah, what do you believe? Yeah, what do you need to
0: <laughs> so I, really... I hear, I meant, sorry, sorry, to, I'm, I'm butting in on your top tip. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's only because I really want to hear it. Yeah. And for a lot of people that will be lip service. Yeah. Because well, we feel we are more, we are more in touch with scarcity than very often.
1: Yeah, we are. I feel that we can access that through the breath. And it begins with the breath when we start to breathe differently, Mm -hmm. then we can start to access more trusting place that there is enough and start to slow it down. And and that's, that's the doorway in, I feel. So how do we start to breathe differently? To slow the breath down to a pace where we're breathing from the belly rather than from the chest, Mm -hmm. just to notice the breath, notice how we're breathing. Just notice um, what the breath is communicating to the brain. And then once it slows down that's when we can start to move into that rest and digest state
0: mm-hmm.
1: into a place where okay actually believing that everything in that moment is okay um, I think that's the start of it all
0: and that can just take 30 seconds
1: yeah it doesn't need to take too long it's um, and we can still be doing that while while you're doing the washing up or moving around, it doesn't necessarily, you don't need to lie down on a yoga mat to do that. Um, so it's very accessible. Um, I think that would be my, the most nourishing thing I could offer is to begin with noticing how you're breathing. Mm. Yeah.
0: I think this topic is so interesting. How can rest be so simple? You know, breathe, deepen your breath, um, just pause for a moment. It's easy, right? And yet it's so hard. It's so difficult to do. And particularly when the space opens up, it tends to be filled with things that aren't necessarily easy to digest. So yeah, endlessly fascinating topic. I'm sure it's opened up so many questions in your mind. You can find Steph over at featherlightliving.com or on Instagram at featherlight underscore living and her nest community is on her website. You can find it through there. My book, Second Spring, The Self-Care Guide to Menopause is available from your favourite bookshop and it would be wonderful if you felt able to share this podcast with a friend either on social media or even in real life. Inside Job is done just for the love of connecting with interesting and inspiring people and the more we can spread this love around, the more people we can reach and you never know, the right phrase might land exactly when somebody needs to hear it thank you so much for listening i'll be back in your ears very soon